the best, my favorite people. Yeah, thank you, Cassidy. Anyone? Zach. And, and, Zach, and Zach in the back. All right, so the question I want to be asking you tonight, we're going, we're going for it. What do you seek? What do you desire and what do you want? What are your dreams, your hopes, and vision for your life? I want you to know there's a great evil that is out there, an enemy, an opponent that will distort your desire and wants. It knows that what you want the most, it can twist, it can turn, it can use that to actually master you. This kind of evil steals us from our Heavenly Father. This kind of evil leaves us orphaned, leaves us wanting. This kind of evil always leaves us unsatisfied. It's what Tom Brady said after winning six Super Bowls. Is this it? Is this all that life is about? That's evil. That's the evil we're talking about tonight. It will turn you into evil itself. It makes you fall in love with it and want it. It makes you desire it with all your heart. In the Lord of the Rings, I talked about it last week. I figured, listen, why not talk about it this week? I love these stories. There is a hobbit, and his name is Schmeagol. His friend found this ring. You guys know it's, it's about this ring. The story of, of the Lord of the Rings is about a ring that they're trying to destroy because the ring is evil. So his friend finds the ring, the one ring to rule the whole world, and immediately Smeagol sees the ring, and he wants it. He desperately wants it. All of a sudden, inside his heart, he used to just love fishing and living um, with his hobbit friends. He was content, but when he saw that ring, he was left wanting, and his desire for it grew so great, he obsessed over it. And so he got that ring by murdering his friend. He stole that ring from his friend. He obsessed over it. He used it for his benefits. He fell in love with it. And what you see in the movie is Smeagol is tricked. He thought that he was the master of what he wanted. He thought he was the master of what he desired. But the reality is as you watch the movies, you read the story, you see that the ring is actually the master of Smeagol. The ring has power over Smeagol, and he changes Smeagol's name to Gollum. The ring changes him from a hobbit to a monster. The ring sucks the life out of Smeagol, but keeps him alive just enough for its own gain. What is haunting is that Gollum, Smeagol, calls the ring my precious. He's in love with it. The very thing that enslaves him, he loves with all his heart and wants with all his heart. Some of you do this with um, this. Some of you have this very evil inside of you. We all do. You have desires um, that you use to fill your needs and you seek them out. Some of you are seeking a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a significant other for a relationship, not because you seek to get married and to honor them, but actually because you seek to take something from them. You seek to take something that is not yours. You want their security that they offer. You want their physical touch. You want their reputation. But you don't. You do it and you seek it for your own gain and not for the benefit of the other. This is evil. Some of you do this with your friends. You're seeking friends not to be there for them, but to actually have them there for you. You only want friends because when you're needy, you need them. 
But when they're needy, you don't care to be there for them. You're seeking them because you don't want to be alone. You want to use them for your own gain, and this is evil. These things become your precious. Your friends, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your future wife and husband, they become your precious. Your own children one day, they become your precious. But it's distorted desire. It's evil. It's actually not about the other. It's about you filling your needs. They're actually the ways that you escape loneliness, heartbreak, and the feeling of hopelessness. You're using them. Some of you do this with God. You're seeking God. You come to youth group. You go to church because you seek to not know him. You don't seek to be known by him, but you actually are seeking what he can give you. You really like the idea of heaven over hell. You really like the idea of living forever. You really like the idea of a good reputation. You like the idea of approval from your leaders, approval from your parents, approval from your small group leaders, approval from your friends in this room. You're in love with that idea. You might just be here because your parents make you come. This reminds me of a story about a father who comes home every single day from work to his children. His children say, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And they come running up to him and give him a big hug because they have missed him all day. And every time he comes home from work, he gives his children a piece of candy after they hug him. Well, one day he comes home from, from work and the kids say, Daddy, Daddy, give him a big hug. And then they reach out their hands and say, where's the candy? He says, sorry, I don't have any today. So what happened the next day when he comes home from work? There's no daddy, daddy. It's silent in the house. The kids stay in their rooms. They do not come to him. Do the kids really seek a relationship with their dad? Or do they just seek the candy? Do you really seek a relationship with God? Or do you just want the candy? I want you to know that if you're okay with heaven without God, without Jesus, if you're okay going there, and if your best friend's there and you're good to go, or if your husband's there, you're good to go, or your wife's there, you're good to go, if that's what heaven is for you, then I warn you tonight, you will not go to heaven because heaven's where God is. And you should today be longing and wanting and seeking him in your heart. And I'm going to explain how all that happens, how your evil desires can transform into a desire to seek a relationship with God and to seek Jesus. But it can't be for the reward. It can't be for the candy. I want you to know something about the author who wrote Colossians 3 that we've been going through the last three weeks. His name is Saul. He wrote this letter. He used his religion. He used God just like I explained previously a few minutes ago. He followed all the rules as close as you could. He memorized the Bible. He taught the Bible. He was the best at being, quote, unquote, a God follower. We know people like that, in this, maybe in this room. But he was fake. He was a zombie in fancy clothes, and he did not truly seek God. He was just calling God. He was just following God to make a profit, to line his pockets. So when Jesus came, and threatened his religion, threatened the way he, his setup, threatened his authority as a religious leader, he made sure to do his best to kill Jesus' followers, to kill the early church. But something happened to him. His whole life changes. 
He goes from being rich and profiting off God to poor. He goes from being against Jesus' followers to becoming a Jesus follower. He goes from killing Jesus' followers to being killed for following Jesus. He goes from being called Saul, and Jesus changes his name to Paul. And he's writing these words to you today in Colossians 3. So I, as I read these words, ask yourself, what in the world could have happened to Saul that would change him so much that he would change his name to Paul? What could happen to him that he would actually transform his desires and go from killing Christians to being a Christian? And my prayer is that tonight, some of you will go from evil desires to following Jesus and desiring what he wants. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If then, this is Paul writing, the man who's been transformed miraculously. If you've been raised with Christ, with Jesus, seek the things that are above. Seek the things that are above. Seek where Christ is, where Jesus is. He's seating at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are on above, not on things on earth. Don't look to the things on earth because you've died and your life is hidden with Jesus and God. When Jesus, who is your life, appears, then also you'll appear with him in glory. And if you go down to verse 12 through 14, Paul says this, Put on then, as God's chosen one, transform into God's chosen ones, holy ones, beloved ones. Put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As Jesus has forgiven you, so forgive each other. And above all, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And in verse 17, whatever you do, work or deed, everything in the name of Jesus, do it for him, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is God's word spoken to you. So Saul changes to Paul because he encounters a risen Jesus, a Jesus who was crucified on the cross. He witnesses him in person, in real life, post that crucifixion. Jesus meets Saul on the road. He was on a road, on a journey to kill more Christians. He was the enemy of Jesus. And Jesus meets him on that road in the flesh. And Jesus sees Saul and his heart and what he desires and wants to do. And he forgives Saul. And he loves Saul. And he says, Saul, follow me. This transformed his heart, his desires and wants. And because he witnessed the resurrection, he knew that dying with Jesus meant that he would also resurrect with Jesus as well. So Saul put to death himself, and his name was changed to Paul. So from then on, what he did was all for Jesus. It was all about Jesus. It had nothing to do about him because what he wanted was what Jesus wanted. You guys are left here today right here, sitting in this room with evil desires in your heart. You're brokenhearted. You are stuck in desperate need for rescue. The pain is great. You hate how you feel. You hate yourself because you have a, such a deep love for the evil that you do. One of the sickest things that I encounter in my own heart is when I do something wrong and when I am mean and I am vicious or if I call my wife a name or my children or if I get angry or upset, I feel power. I feel power. 
And if I'm in an argument and I just want to win the argument, I destroy people. I go after their, not only what the way they look, the way they talk, the way they act, I go after everything about them just to bring them so low so that I look so great. And I like how that feels. Because here's the truth in this room tonight. If you didn't like how it feels, if you didn't actually enjoy sinning, then you would stop. But you do. You love to sin. So do I. And for this reason, God's wrath justly will be poured out on you in full. You like to sin. Let's be honest tonight. Let's stop pretending. Oh, man, when, when you talk, I really messed up this week. I really made a mistake. Oh, I'm tired. I'll do better next time. I cheated on a test this week. You like cheating. You like it. You enjoy it. You enjoy sinning. Because if you didn't, you wouldn't do it. You would stop. So let's just start off tonight honestly. I do evil things, and I'm okay with it. And that is worthy of wrath. I am destined for hell, and that is what I deserve. This is why I hate myself. It's because I really like evil, and I know it's wrong. I'm in conflict with my soul. And the only way I actually find relief from the pain I feel of liking evil is doing more evil. At least it's a few more minutes. A few more minutes of feeling better about myself. At least I can gossip about this person and talk trash about them, because in that few minutes that I talk trash about them, I feel so much better. When I hear other people talk trash about other people, I'm like, oh, goodness, they're talking about them and not me. I enjoy that, the way that makes me feel. The only way in the Lord of the Rings that Gollum ever finds peace is holding the ring. His precious. And he's trapped by it. And so am I. This led me into depression. Maybe some of you guys in this room have experienced depression. I have. I still do. And I wished I was dead because of the evil that kept hiding in my closet. It haunted me. I hated the way that I would constantly go back to that closet and continue to use that evil to just numb the pain that I felt on the inside of my heart. I didn't want to tell anyone about what was in that closet because I didn't want them to know the truth that I actually like the closet. I like that it's dark and I like I can do whatever I want in it. But it was killing me. And it wasn't until Jesus said this to me through the Bible, through people in my life, saying, Mikey, share this. Share this with your friend. Share this with your best friend. Share this with Emily. Share this with your dad. So as a last-ditch effort, I shared the ring in my life. I revealed to my best friend, my wife, and my dad the ugly monster inside of me. I revealed to them my golem. And they looked at me, and I thought they were going to reject me. I thought they were going to say, that's it, we're done. But they loved me. They looked at me and held me and loved me and said, behind, they said, let the ring go, leave the ring behind. We will walk with you so you are never alone. When you feel anxious, when you feel depressed, talk to us. When you want to go back to that closet, talk to us. We'll go there with you. 
will be in that moment with you. We want you to know you're loved no matter what. This, like Saul encountered Jesus on the road to evil, is how I encountered Jesus alive on the road to evil. This is how evil is turned on itself. Evil is the very reason why I need Jesus. It's why you need Jesus to rescue you from God's wrath. You need Jesus to take on his wrath for you. Why did Emily, my best friend, my dad, love me still? It wasn't because they had it in and of themselves to love me. But I, my evil was gross, disgusting, horrific. It was wrong. They told me that. They didn't say, oh, it's okay. It's not. No, it was a big deal. I needed to get serious medical attention and help. But they did not leave me. They did not run away from it. Because the evil in their own life, Jesus sought out in them. Jesus sought them. He seeked them. In the Bible, it says that Jesus is the good shepherd. He leaves the 99 who are safe at home to go get the one who's in danger. He leaves the 99 to go get me who is in danger. He sends Emily. He sends my dad. He sends my best friend to go get me in the darkest moments of my life and to find me in my evil and in my dark closet. And to turn the lights on to say, this is gross, this is wrong, but not leave, to stay there with me, and say, we're not leaving till we bring you home. That's what Jesus does. A better question to ask you tonight is, what does Jesus seek? He seeks you. He loves you. He wants you. If you know this, that Jesus chases after you and seeks you, that changes you. He sought Paul. He met him on the road, on the way to commit evil. He sought me out. He met me on the road to commit evil, and he seeks you out right now, this week, on the road to commit more evil. He says, I love you. I'm with you. I forgive you. I won't leave you. So because he seeks you, and when that happens, your heart does change. You're no longer defined by what you've done or how you've behaved. You are now precious to Jesus, honorable to Jesus, lovable in Jesus. He forgives you. Some of you really need to know that tonight. He forgives you. What you've done is not okay, but he forgives you and he's with you. He's not using you. He's not using you. He's not taking advantage of you. Um, if you wouldn't mind just closing your eyes and bowing your head with me. Um, we're going to pray and we'll just sing another song. Um, Father, thank you for finding us, chasing us down. Um, meeting us where we're at. Um, Father, I pray that you'll give us the courage to confess our sins, to confess our evil hearts to each other tonight in our small groups, and that we would carry each other and hold each other. We love you.
Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.